All right, all right, all right, Business and Buckets fans, episode 17 coming at you. Uh, lots actually to talk about in the sports world, even though that it is football offseason. We've been talking free agency the past few weeks. I did my MLB season predictions last week. MLB season's underway, finalizing the end of March Madness. And of course, the NBA season is upon us as we eh, get around the last 22 to 21 games or so. But before we start, let's talk Fueled Supplements. You know, if it's not broken, why fix it? That's the inspiration behind Fueled Supplements' newest product, Creatine Monohydrate. So why take creatine? Well, creatine monohydrate is one of the most well-researched and effective natural supplements available for increasing muscle performance. Creatine enhances performance by supplying a pool of ATP, which acts as the muscle's tissue's primary energy source, and for fuel for explosive bursts of energy, power, and strength. It's 100 servings, non-GMO, gluten-free, but most importantly, safe and effective. So you know the deal, guys. Go to Fueled Supplements and use the code BUCKETS for 20% off at FueledSupplements.com. Once again, use promotion code BUCKETS at Fueled Supplements. You'll see me take them all around. My social media is YouTube, you name it. Also, um... If you're buying supplements, give them a shot. People helping people. That's what it's all about. 2021, let's get it. So let's talk NFL. <clears throat> I always start the show with it. Just keep it rolling. Uh, there is some major headlines. There isn't anything, you know, s- stupid crazy. But, hey, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, discount double check. The man's hosting Jeopardy, guest hosting Jeopardy. Um, you know, he's a total trivia nerd. If you, you know him very well, uh, he's really into random facts. His teammates always make fun of him just knowing random things and being in film room room and just popping off random questions. Uh, but he said that if they would offer him the full-time gig, he would definitely take it. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. He said, he's got enough time. I'd love to host Jeopardy if I can make that a reality. So, Hey, all props to him, Aaron Rodgers. Shit, man. If I had the opportunity to host Jeopardy and I had the brain for it, I totally would as well. I'm not very good at Jeopardy, though. I don't know those random history facts, geography, um, those types of things. Uh, but yeah, man, Aaron Rodgers, he's, he's got the knack for it. I think it would be awesome to see Rodgers rocking Jeopardy. Free agency. Majority of the top 100 free agents are available. A lot of them are over 30 years old. A lot of edge rushers, a lot of a lot of defenders, still out there. Your team needs some moves. Maybe they'll have, maybe they'll sign some guys. Guys like Melvin Ingram are still available. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens before the draft. Some major headlines: Mr. Sam Darnold, the 23-year-old starting quarterback for the New York Football Jets, uh, traded to the Panthers for a six-round pick this year, 2021 six-round pick, and next year's second and fourth-round pick. So. Ah, man, what the Jets are doing, I'm not too sure. They're probably going to draft Zach Wilson, who, in my opinion, is a lesser quarterback than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's only 23 years old. You can give him an opportunity. It's the fucking Jets, though. They don't really know what's going on. If I'm Darnold, I'm stoked. I get to leave the fucking Jets, and I get to use offensive weapons like Christian McCaffrey, CMC. They got guys like Robbie Anderson, who was a past Jet as well. And then also the uber-talented DJ Moore. They lost Curtis Samuel to free agency, but he's got some weapons there. The team has uh, got a decent defense as well. Better off than the Jets switching over to the NFC. You know, for me, I really hope he does well, but it's going to be interesting to see 
uh, what the hell the Jets do and if they could start winning football games. I don't think this is the right move. As a Steelers fan, I was like, hey, fuck, if he's available, let, let's let's go snag him up. Um, Unless they draft Justin Fields, I like Justin Fields. I think he's clearly the second best quarterback in this NFL draft. If they draft him, potentially they could have a better outcome, but they're not. It's the Jets. They're going to draft Zach Wilson. If they don't draft Zach Wilson, it'll probably be Trey Lance. I mean, who knows what the hell is going on there. But, yeah, unless they get Justin Fields, I believe they're in trouble. And, you know, the Panthers missed out. They missed out on, you know, potential trades for Wilson and Watson before all the Watson sexual harassments um, and all of his legality cases that are going on. They missed out on Stafford. They couldn't get Carson Wentz as he was for sure going to go play with Frank Wright in Indianapolis. So they got Darnold, right? That's their option. Uh, I still think he's better than Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater said he you know, would be open returning. He'll probably go to another team and play as the backup quarterback. But hey, uh, you know, no, no bashfulness against Bridgewater. He'd performed with the Saints. He'd performed with other teams, had some pretty nasty injuries. It is what it is. That's a life as an NFL quarterback. Um other news, Tyler Lockett getting a four-year, $69 million extension. I love me some Tyler Lockett. I've loved him since the Kansas State days. I watch Big 12 football because I'm an Oklahoma football fan. Uh, the guy's electric. He's really good, you know, whether it's a deep ball. Uh, he's got nice hands. He'll take the tough catch. He's good under the middle, especially now that they have DK going over the top. And this man right here is a big reason why I knew Russell Wilson wasn't going anywhere. Russell Wilson isn't going to leave DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You know, he could say some things and bitch about the offensive line, but there's no way he's going anywhere. People still tend to think that Russell Wilson's not going to last. Uh, but, yeah, they're obviously going to keep Lockett. Um, a lot of the, my Seahawks, Seahawks buddies said that they didn't think they would pay up for him. You got to keep him. Russell, I'm sure, was involved in that as well. Uh, but good to see that he's staying. Um, and quickly before we move on to the UFC, as I'm excited that fights are back, I'm going to Arizona this weekend. We have fought, uh, UFC on ABC, ABC two, a nice early card going on. I have a, you know, a, a buddy, I guess you could say, uh, someone that I, I, I know of well root for from Montana that's fighting. Uh, so super excited to see him do work in the octagon. Uh, but I wanted to talk and rank my quarterbacks in this year's draft class because there's so many things going on. I talked about five quarterbacks rumored being potential top 10, 15 picks. Now the 49ers have moved up. Supposedly they're for sure taking Mac Jones. Uh, Trey Lance's stock's been up and down. What the hell is going on with Justin Fields? Like, is this all just smoke screens? I'm not too sure. Uh, but the way I would rank the talent and how I think they will translate in the NFL, this is my rankings. But I also want to remind you guys that you know, the past, like, I think we, we did six to eight years out, uh, the average quarterback, the average amount of quarterbacks from a draft class that translates to the NFL is 1.2. We'll just book Trevor Lawrence in as he's going to be a successful NFL starting quarterback. So that really gives you an opportunity for one more. Um, I think it's going to be Justin Fields, but a lot of it's going to depend on who goes to what team. I've seen in a mock draft now that the Patriots uh, have some some higher pick options that they trade up and take Justin Fields, which would be crazy, and Bilicek would probably just be, you know, rubbing his hands together and saying, F you, everybody, and all the haters. Uh, but I got Trevor Lawrence, number one, uh, Sunshine, the closest thing I've seen to Peyton Manning. Love him. You know, all the analysts love him as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's going to do well. Jacksonville is kind of a tough place to go. 
I'm not a big believer in Urban Meyer personally, but I think he'll figure it out. They're going to build a team around him. Next up, I have Justin Fields. If you watch QB 11, which is like the, the, all the number, they usually do about 20 top quarterbacks in the high school class each year, and they bring them over. They do a quarterback camp. It used to be on NFL Network. I think it's just a YouTube channel now. And they, they do a competition to see who's the number one quarterback outside of just hypothetical rankings. And uh, going into that, Trevor Lawrence was number one. Justin Fields had actually beat him out to be the number one quarterback. Um, obviously, he went to Ohio State. Trevor Lawrence went to Clemson. Uh, they both had pretty good careers. I would say Trevor Lawrence obviously had a better career. Uh, you know, Justin Fields didn't get to do as much with it with Ohio State. But I, ever since then, I, I had known this kid's got quality talent. I think it was always presumptive him and Fields won two within their, their respective drafts. Uh, but now we got the, the rumors of Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. But I'm going Lawrence Fields won two. I got Mac Jones number three. I got Zach Wilson, number four, Trey Lance, five, um, Kyle Trask, you know, f- quite a ways back, but further back than Lance at six, and then Kellen Mond. Those are my top quarterbacks for this year's draft class. And a lot of people are going to say, well, Shane, why do you have Zach Wilson so far? Well, dude, I actually get to watch a lot of BYU games. This year, they played absolutely nobody. Um, during the big time games and the bigger opponents that they face, I just don't think he did well under pressure. And I think he's you know, especially if he goes to the Jets is going to be fucked for life. So um, I'm not as big on him. I think Mac Jones going to a decent team has better potential, especially goes to San Francisco. And I like his intangibles a little bit more. Zach Wilson has some of that off factor. And I think I've seen like scouts say, you know, he's a lot more boomer bust than I assume. And I totally agree. Could he boom? Sure. Can they prove me wrong? Absolutely. Uh, but that's how I'm going. Uh, and I think that's the way it's going to be. I wasn't a big believer in Jared Goff either. A lot of people are like, you're stupid. Jared Goff's a guy. Look where Jared Goff is today. So, hey, maybe maybe I know what the fuck I'm talking about. But let's talk UFC. So lots of headlines before we talk about the actual card happening on ABC early Saturday for you fight fans. Don't forget it's an early card, so don't be getting your day in the sunshine, coming home expecting to watch a UFC card and it's already over. It is happening early on Saturday. Uh, But Venom, the new contract signed to replace Reebok for the UFC apparel and sponsorship. Supposedly, this provides more money for the fighters, which is great. Anything we could do to give the fighters more money, I think they need to do it because they don't get paid enough for the type of job that they have. Um, they showed the the swag today. They had um, uh, Brian Ortega and Aljamain Sterling, you know, sporting it up. It looks fine to me. It is what it is. It, you know, it doesn't change too dramatically. It's, if it's good for the fighters, I'm all for it. Uh, and fuck Reebok, anyways. Uh, Volkanovski versus Ortega announced again. They had to reschedule because Volk had some pretty nasty COVID. Uh, he had interviewed with John Anik and I, th- I think, uh, a couple other people and just saying how bad his conditions were. He was bedridden. He was coughing up blood. He couldn't move. Uh, and he's just now getting back into fight camp. So the fight's happening, but even better yet, they're going to be the coaches for the ultimate fighter. One of my favorite shows, longtime shows, probably my favorite season was Rashad Evans and Rampage Jack- Jackson. Uh, where he rips the door down. Uh, they they put chicken and chickens in Rashad's car, and they shit everywhere. Like pretty brutal pranks. I hope that these two guys can live up to it. Uh, it's going to be you know t- it's to be determined when it's happening, uh, but it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be on ESPN Plus. I'd assume if you have Fight Pass, you could have access there. Maybe not though. It's an ESPN thing. 
I'm super excited though. I'm a huge Ultimate Fighter guy. A lot of the fighters you see that I talk about that maybe aren't bigger names, a lot of them come from Ultimate Fighter. Now there's the Contender Series as well, and we see a lot of guys that get UFC contracts from the Contender Series coming to the UFC and been kicking ass. So there is more opportunities to find the pool of talent, but I love me some Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Francis Ngannou, there was rumors that the UFC was trying to streamline a fight between him and Derek Lewis. Uh, supposedly, though... It wasn't enough time. They wanted to do it June, July, and Ngannou wanted more time. So it seems like they're trying to move past John Jones. Either that or they're trying to bluff and show, you know, get John Jones to sign some sort of contract to make that fight happen. Uh, the UFC definitely has a lot of politics involved, so who knows. But Ngannou also hinted at the idea of fighting the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, in a heavyweight boxing match. How fucking fun would that be if you're a fight fan? I would absolutely love to see this. I mean, don't get me wrong. Nganu has a, a boxing background. His dream was boxing. And then a coach told him he should try MMA. Here he is as the UFC heavyweight champion. What well, fucking crazy story. Like I said, it'll probably be in movies one day. But man, this would be an awesome fight just for fight fans. Just looking at the two dudes. Tyson Fury would pick them apart. I mean, no offense to Nganu. He's got the power, but... That's not going to translate. The Gypsy King is the mastermind. He literally got destroyed by Wilder. Got his ass back up. Um, and Ganu hit harder than Wilder with boxing gloves. That is to be seen. But uh, it, it would still be fun for fans. And I'm all for it. Uh, Damian Maya is back. I was just talking shit on him. He was in the rankings. I said he should just retire and get out. I thought he had actually retired. Uh, but he hadn't officially retired. Now he's fighting a young up-and-coming Bilal Muhammad who has to rebook a fight after the eye poke with Leon Edwards, even though it seemed like Bilal was going to get his ass whooped. I'm sure Bilal is going to kick his ass, but it gives uh, Damian Maia an opportunity to be more relevant as an old fighter, beat a young up-and-comer to try to continue and get fights and get paid. Um, we all know he's a jiu-jitsu mad, uh, wizard down there, so if he could take people down, he could tap them out, submit them. And, you know, maybe he can do that with Bilal, but I'm taking Bilal on that one. A Korean zombie versus Dan Ige. What a fucking slugfest that will be. Two guys that aren't afraid to throw down. Dan Ige has been trying to prove his worth, showing that he, he needs to be fighting some top dogs in his division. Right now we have the Korean zombie ranked number five in the um, featherweight division. This is Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway's division. And we have Dan Ige number eight. He lost to Calvin Cater, who just got destroyed by Super Saiyan Goku, a.k.a. Max Holloway. But, hey, I think he deserves it. Yair and Zabit have been like fucking who knows where. They got abducted. They've had a lot of things happen and haven't fought lately. So I'm all for him jumping up the leader or up the rankings to fight Korean Zombie. Hey, Korean Zombie took the fight, but I don't know how enthused he was. He had even hinted at potentially moving up to lightweight which makes no sense because there is a massive amount of killers there. But Korean Zombie don't give no fucks. He wants to throw down, he wants to bang, and he wants to stay active. Hey, all props to you, my dude. We also got Cyril Gunn versus Alexander Volkov. I had hinted at this potentially being a fight after Cyril Gunn's uh, amazing work in his last fight. Right now, Cyril Gunn's ranked number four. Alexander Volkov's ranked number five. Stylistically, two strikers. This is going to be a banger. I can't wait. Uh, that would probably be one of the more intriguing fights that can happen in heavyweight unless John Jones fights Ngannou, which I think is going to happen. Uh, but other than that, yeah, must-see TV for, here, for that fight coming up. And then Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. We all knew it was happening, uh, but it is official for July. Excited about that one. 
Uh, McGregor's already hinting that he wasn't training enough. He's training more. Watch out, Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier is like, yo, dude, I don't stop training. I, I always am putting my, my head down and, and putting work in. Uh, but this is for all the marbles. Um, you know, this is a big payday for Dustin. Connor always gets big paydays. But if he loses this fight, he loses an opportunity at a title shot. They would probably give McGregor the immediate title shot, which is worst case scenario for me as a true loyal fight fan. For all the bandwagoner fans and people that want headlines, that's best case scenario. Please, Dustin Poirier, get the fucking job done. He'll probably be an underdog. Why? I have no fucking clue, but I'll put my money on him again. He made me some very good money on the last fight. Either way, I'm excited. It's right around my birthday, so let's fucking get it on. We also have the Bellator finale booked. AJ McKee versus Pitbull. What a fight this is going to be. I think this Grand Prix ended up perfect. Table set for probably one of the biggest Bellator, true Bellator fights that they've had uh, since I've had eyes on Bellator. So I'm super excited for that fight. And then April 9th, this Friday, is the first round of the Grand Prix light heavyweight which is a stacked Grand Prix for Bellator. We got Ryan Bader. We got Lyota Machida, two ex-UFC MMA just beasts. Uh, the first fight, this is number two for these two guys. The first fight, Lyota uh, Machida had bested um, Bader. Lyota Machida's 42. I think Bader's 37. Um, you know, I expect Bader just to aggressively maul him and, and figure it out to get the, get the win. Uh, he is ranked higher. But hey, you know, Machida finished Bader in the in round two in 2012, so maybe he can do it again. He is the counter-strike king, but uh, he is also 42 years old, so we'll see what can happen. Another fight book. They're just booking fights. It's summertime. They always have massive UFC cards right around my birthday. International Fight Week. I fucking love it. Another awesome fight. Gilbert Burns versus Steven Thompson. This one, you know, although it's going to be awesome, caught me by surprise. I did not think Gilbert Burns would fight Stephen Thompson, who's lower in the ranks. Why the hell is he not fighting pretty boy fucking, oh God, Trump supporting son of a bitch, Colby Covington? Why can't we have him fight Colby Covington? Leon Edwards got Nate Diaz out of nowhere. You know, I wouldn't even mind seeing that. I, I, there's just other fights out there for him. But hey, he wants to fight. Stephen Thompson's been trying to fight. Hey, man. Steven Thompson, man, Wonder Boy will, will do some shit. He could surprise you. I don't think I could pick against my guy Gilbert Burns at this point, but it's going to be a great uh, fight for fans. Uh, must see TV as well. And then again in the Bellator world, Chris Cyborg versus Leslie Smith, two booked for May 21st. That's a big rematch. Um, I believe Cyborg had beaten her right before she came to UFC and then got beat up and then left. But hey, Bellator is trying to make some names or booking fights. I'm excited. As long as we got big names, I'll tune in. And speaking of other fighting promotions and big names, um, tomorrow night on TNT is the one championship card. I told you guys last week, I don't know a lot of the names in one championship, but the headliner is one of the goats of, I would say top three in the goat conversation, Demetrius Johnson. He fights out of Parkland, Washington, pretty close uh, to where I live. I always enjoy guys that are around me. You'll see, if being from Montana, Wyoming, I'm always supporting that as well. Um, but the guy's a fucking stud. He's, to me, I, you know, he says he doesn't represent UFC. But for me as a UFC fan, man, he represents the top of the top. And the one championship, just in my book, doesn't have that. So he better fucking get the victory. And Eddie Alvarez is also on the card. You know, props to Eddie Alvarez. He's a legend within himself. 
I, this guy might beat him, though. He's already lost in one championship. He's definitely on the late, latter half of his career. This is so, what I would consider something of a move where someone's dropping down like UL Romero and they go to Bellator, right? Um, you know, Eddie Alvarez had taken some losses in the UFC. He doesn't like the politics, whatever. You know, you, you could call a spade a spade. But, you know, his quality of performance isn't championship level at the UFC. And there's some guys that won championship that's already beat him. But either way, I'm excited. I'm going to be tuning in. It's on TNT so I can actually watch it. Uh, so I'm sure us fight fans will be tuning in. It's all about Mighty Mouse. But let's talk UFC Fight Night on ABC. I always tweet hashtag UFC Fight Night because all these Vegas ones don't really have headline names. They are Fight Nights. But supposedly this is UFC Vegas 23. They're just counting each apex as UFC Vegas 1, 2, yada, yada. So this is 23. Some early fight cards. Early fights in the prelims. I usually only talk about fight, fighters that like I look at their names, their, the story of me seeing their fights or knowing their history right away. But I, I felt like I missed some. I would be watching the fights, but oh yeah, I totally forgot the guy. So I did a little bit more research this time and, and dove in, clicked on the people, looked at their records. If they had interesting records, they seemed like up-and-comers. I put them on here. And if they're on the main card, I try to talk about them. They're on the main card for a reason. We have Da Un Jung, 13-2, 27-year-old fighter versus William Knight, who is 9-1 in his respective record, a 33-year-old savage-looking human being. Um, Knight was supposed to fight Alonzo Menfield. I had done an analysis of that fight at the end of March, and Jung was supposed to fight uh, Shamil Gamaz Gamzatov. Shamil Gamzatov. Uh, but I'm assuming COVID or something had pulled him out. So because of that happening, uh, Daun was on this card. And with William needing a fight, they just threw this together. Uh, but it actually looks like a really good fight. Uh, light uh, Jung was the light heavyweight champion for Heat. And both fighters have a ton of power. So I'm sure this is going to end out uh, in a knockout TKO, something of that fashion. As That's typically what happens at the light heavyweight with guys that are this big. Um, I got Daun though. It seems like he's fought better quality opponents of late. He is just entering his fighting prime. Uh, William Knight though, he could sleep anyone at any moment. So, you know, don't feel very confident with that pick if you guys are betting on it. Uh, but I'm taking Daun over William Knight to start the early prelim card, which I guess I can look here, but it's going to start pretty damn early. The main card starts at noon um, Pacific time. So the prelims... Shit, man, when that going to start? 9 a.m., 10 a.m.? We got the prelim starting at 9 a.m. Pacific. And this is the second fight. So this is going to be nice early in the morning. I'll be in Arizona. Probably, who knows what I'll be feeling after Friday night. I'll probably get a Bloody Mary, a little screwdriver. I don't know. Something's going to get me going to catch these fights. I got two prelims put down. Try to win me some extra fuck you money while I'm in Scottsdale. Uh, but, hey, good fight to start the morning. And then we're moving on to my guy, Hunter Azure, 9-1 versus Jack Shore, 2-0. Hunter Azure, man, this guy is a four-time state champion from Poplar, Montana. Myself and one of my teammates had wrestled him. Yeah, you could probably just take a guess on how that went. But Azure is tough as fucking nails, and he's a brick shit house for the bantamweight division. When I first saw that he was in the UFC coming from the Contender Series, I was super stoked. And then I saw he started fighting in the bantamweight division. I was like, holy shit, how is he cutting this? You know, he must be cutting a massive amount of weight because he looks a lot bigger than the other bantamweights. And he definitely is carrying around a lot more muscle. But hey, 
You know, I don't know a lot about Jack Shore, but they put him up against a technically undefeated fighter at 2-0. His nickname is Tank, so he must be tough as nails as well. Um, Azure coming from, like I said, the Contender Series. He's an alum there. When I think about the styles of this fight, it's going to be an interesting stylistic fight. Shore having three um, third-round rear naked choke submission and Azure packing all that muscle in his, his last or two fights ago, his first loss in the UFC, that had actually affected him as he had rattled Brian Kelleher early on, but Kelleher was able to uh, weather the storm, tire Azure out, and ended up beating him in that fight as he was just gassed by round two. So with Shore having the past three fights going into the third round and we're naked, if he could weather the storm of Hunter Azure, potentially tire him out, look for that submission. But hopefully Hunter's really been focused on his conditioning after that last fight. That doesn't happen and or he knocks the shit out of Jack Shore. But going to be a good fight. That is the one, two, three, fourth fight on the early prelims. Again, in the bantamweight division. And then we move on to the heavyweights. We got Jorgan de Castro, 6-2, 33-year-old man, versus Jargis, the Man Mountain. What a fucking nickname that is. The Man Mountain Donho, who is 6-1. He's 37 years old. These two are, I mean, the guy, you could assume what he looks like by having the nickname Man Mountain, but he does look pretty savage. Uh, he is also 37 years old, getting to the UFC a little later in his mixed martial arts career. Lots of power by both fighters. Jorgen's kind of like one of those chubbier heavyweights that just has hands that you couldn't believe. They're fast. They're powerful. Uh, he had lost a fight to Greg Hardy recently, who, you know, is a little raw, but has a lot of skills. Is very tough. Ex-NFL player. Um, just kind of gritted him out. But Jorgen can throw hands. He could catch anybody on any given moment. Uh, this is going to be a fun fight, and I expect this to be an early round knockout. Moving up within the early prelim, um, three fights later, this is the headliner, per se, on the prelim card. We got the veteran Jim Miller with the record of 32 wins and 15 losses. This guy is a beast of his own, 37 years old, versus a little bit younger fighter, Joe Selecki, with a 9-2 and record at 27 years old. A 10-year difference between the two fighters. Recently, Jim Miller was supposed to fight Bobby Green in February, but Bobby Green had collapsed during weigh-ins, obviously wasn't going to be nutritionally cleared to fight, so Jim Miller had been looking for a fight. I don't know if he necessarily wanted Selecki, but hey, he needed to have somebody to fill in, get his, get his fight in while he was in shape and had been in training camp. So I do see this as a high-risk fight for Jim to get back in the win column. Um, Selecki is on a five-fight win streak, which is also, you know... Not that appealing to a 37-year-old, I'm assuming. But I'm going to take Jim Miller. I don't think the Selecki guy has fought anybody like Jim Miller. Jim Miller is tough. He could battle, take punches on his feet. And we all know that he could submit you on the ground, uh, You know, work on his wrestling. So I think he's just good in a little bit of every area that Selecki isn't going to be used to. I think he gets the job done. Again, not as confident in this pick. I would say I'm more confident in my guy Hunter Azure and Jorgen De Castro, but hey, I'm picking to pick. I'm taking Jim Miller. I got Daun, but both of those definitely more iffy. Then let's move to the main card. What an interesting fight to start the main card. We got Mike Perry. We all know Mike Platinum Perry. He's a savage within his own right. Must see TV. He's just a fucking clown. He's 14 and six versus Daniel Rodriguez, who is. 
You know, he's got tats all over his necks and body, so just some interesting-looking character of himself. He is 13-2. and two. He has a 3-inch reach advantage on Mr. Mike Perry. And if you don't know Mike Perry very well or haven't seen his fights lately, he had his girlfriend coach him in the corner, and he has put up, like, a bid for any celebrity or other fighters to coach him in his, in his upcoming fights. I don't know if someone had locked in to be his, his corner coach for this fight, uh, but yeah, the guy's a clown. He's kind of like a street fighter, just gets his, does shit the way he wants. He's been caught in some brawls in Orlando outside of fighting as well. Um, you know, he, he probably likes to drink a little bit and probably likes to get a little rowdy. Uh, but this is going to be a good fight. Both fighters are coming off a loss. I expect Daniel Rodriguez to probably take some damage, but get the job done in a unanimous decision in a win over Mike Perry. And I'm pretty confident about this one. Let's move up to my girl, Mackenzie Dern, the most beautiful woman in the UFC and a badass fighter in her own right, fighting Nina Ansaroff, who's 10 and 6, 35 years old. Mackenzie Dern being 9 and 1 at 28 years old. Um, if you don't know Nina Ansaroff, the first thing I'll say is she's Amanda Nunez's other half, the baby mama. Um, you know, she just had a baby and hasn't fought since summer of 2019, while Dern herself is on a three fight win streak. Uh, and answer off before the baby had come off a loss to Tatiana Suarez, who's a badass bitch, but answer off. She's a Taekwondo striker during a, uh, BJJ specialist black belt, little bit of judo capability as well. And she has shown that she has improved her striking and, you know, she's thrown down a couple of her fights. She's just fucking let it go. She's taken damage, beating up that pretty face. She's given damage. I think her striking's improved a lot since her only loss to Amanda Rebus. Uh, Amanda Rebus, an up-and-coming woman fighter with a lot of uh, push behind her name as well. Uh, that was unanimous decision loss for McKenzie. But I'm taking McKenzie. She's the underdog in this one. On my parlay, that was uh, definitely a benefit to give a better payout. Hunter Azure also being an underdog. So if you guys are setting up parlays, maybe you don't agree with some of my picks. Take... Um, I'll, I'll do the uh, Pat McAfee. I'm hammering down on Mackenzie Dern and hammering down on my guy Hunter Azure. Two upsets, getting you better payouts. I think I've done two six-fight parlays, mixed up a couple fights just in case some of the ones I didn't feel as confident didn't happen. And I think it was like 50 bucks for 1011 50 bucks for 2100 So let's fucking get it. Trying to get some extra money while I'm in Scottsdale. And if you like to put down... Put down on Mackenzie Dern and my guy Hunter Azure. Excited for this fight, though. Definitely, I mean, if I were to pick against Amanda Rebos and Nina Ansaroff today, I'd probably pick Amanda. But Nina is a high level, pretty high-level girl for this division. Uh, has a lot of experience in a vet in her own right. So this is going to be a tough test for Mackenzie, though. It's not going to be, you know, just a, a one-round submission, beat the shit out of her fight. She's tough. And she's with Amanda Nunez, who I'm sure is teaching her something. Because she's the GOAT. Moving up, we got Sam Alvey, 33-15 and 15 record, versus Julian Marquez, who's 8-2. and two. Alvey has a 3.5-inch reach advantage for Mr. Marquez. Alvey, with four losses and a draw before this fight, definitely trying to right the ship better in the middleweight division, get his career back in line. Who knows how many fights he has left on the UFC contract, but I would assume a loss here might be the end of it, and he'll probably go to one championship or Bellator if he wants to keep fighting. Uh, Marquez is coming off a win. Um, 
you know, Marquez is, is tough. I've seen some of his fights. I like I like his me- mental toughness. I think he's got too much strength and uh, cardio for Sam. I think um I think he's probably going to win by decision. I don't think this will be a knockout. But I'm taking Julian Marquez over Sam Alvey. Hopefully Sam Alvey wins, though, just for the sake of his career. I did not include this one in my parlay. Um, Sam Alvey could surprise you. He's beaten some big names within it throughout his career. Moving up on the main card, we got Kyle Dawkins, 9-1, 28-year-old, versus, I'm going to murder this, Ali Shkab Kurziev, who's 13-0, undefeated fighter, 30 years old. Uh, he's Russian. You can tell by the name. They're always fucking tough as nails. Uh, I don't believe he trains with Khabib and team, but he looks like a, a Nurmagomedov. I murdered that the other day. Nurmagomedov. He looks like one of them. I don't know a lot about these fighters, but they're on the main card for a reason. This is the uh, There's two more fights after this, the co-main and the main. So I'm assuming Dana and, and team knows what they're doing. This is a 9-1 fighter versus a 13-0 fighter. Um, Kurziev is a contender series alum, and we talked about how successful they have been within the UFC and how they go on after the contender series to just beat the shit out of people. Uh, and he's tough as nails, so I'm going with the Russian. He's undefeated. I think he keeps his streak alive. Uh, sorry, Mr. Kyle Dacus, but you just look at his image. He just looks like a schlub anyways. Sometimes the schlubs kick your ass. He'd probably kick my ass, but hey, I'm going with Black Wolf. That's his nickname. Ali Shkab Kurziev, the undefeated fighter. Moving up, we got Arnold Allen, 16-1, the number 10th ranked fighter at 27 years old, and this is in the featherweight division. Again, Volkanovski's division. Versus Sadiq Youssef, 11-1, the number ranked fighter, also 27 years old. Two ranked fighters in their prime. This is going to be a great fight. Youssef, also contender series. I watched him in the contender series. The guy is pretty fucking skilled. He's a little unorthodox. He'll come at you a lots of different ways, different angles, kicks, strikes. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And it's a big fight for both fighters starting to enter the killer stages killer territory of the division where they're fighting big names every single fight. So whoever wins this will definitely leapfrog themselves into that upper echelon in the featherweight division. A loss here, though, to either fighter I don't think will affect them too much as they're only 27 years old. But I'm taking Sadiq Youssef. I think his um, capabilities and just athleticism will be too much for Mr. Arnold Allen. But Arnold Allen's ranked ahead of him for a reason. Um... It's going to be a good fight, though. I can't wait. I have Sadiq Youssef on both my parlays. That's my confidence level. And then we move to the main event. Marvin Vittori, the number six ranked fighter, is 27 years old, versus Kevin Big Mouth Holland, the 10th ranked fighter, number 28 or uh, 28 years old. Big Mouth Holland, baby. I had given him so much props. He's filling in for Darren Till. He saved this card. I knew this card was going to be when I was in Arizona, and I wanted a big main event, and I want to see Marvin fight, so I'm so happy he saved the day. Um, thanks for saving the event, but sorry you have to fight Marvin, man. Vittori is going to whoop some ass. Uh, I started getting on the Holland hype train a little bit too much in Derek Brunson fight and Derek Brunson whipped his ass just straight wrestled him out which I should have should have assumed happened but after he had fucking elbow struck uh Jacare Souza to death I had switched the hype train ended up losing some money on that fight here he is fighting not that much longer later against a very good Vittori I probably would have picked Till in the fight against Vittori just because I'm a I'm a big Till fan 
But that would have been a very iffy fight. Marvin Vittori is the real deal. He's a fucking savage. Um, Holland has a seven-inch reach advantage. This guy is very long and lanky. John Jones-ish. He has the lanky ability, and that's how he was throwing bows on the ground, on his back, against Jacare. But uh, Holland has a black belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Vittori's on a four-fight win streak after his last loss, which was to Izzy. Um, Israel Adesanya, who is the champion of the class, and just on a level of his own in this class. Holland had just lost to Derek Brunson, like I had said. He went through some weird shit. He was talking the whole fight. Dana White said he went through a mental collapse. And then Holland said, I probably won't fight as much or talk as much as I did in the Brunson fight because I was talking the whole fucking fight. I, I mean, business here. We'll see what's happening. This is a sixth fight, ladies and gentlemen, since May 2020. This guy enjoys fighting, and he will fight anybody. You got to give him that. Out of those six fights, he's won five of them. But that's a lot of fights in a calendar year. It's not even May 2021 yet. And then upcoming after this fight card, we got some good fights. Back-to-back Saturdays after a few Saturday break. That's why I was so excited to talk about this card, because the fights are coming back. Um, Kevin Gastelum versus Robert Whitaker, who was supposed to fight after coaching the ultimate fighter a few years ago. It's finally happening. Uh, Gastelum filling in for, uh, drink too much wine, Paula Costa. And then on April 24th, the next Saturday is the massive, massive UFC 261 card in Jacksonville, Florida in front of a sold out crowd. Three title fights on this card. First big crowd since COVID sold out. Super jealous. I've been itching and craving to go back and watch UFC live in front of sold-out crowds since I went and watched John Jones versus Tiago Santos in the T-Mobile arena, which is an amazing arena. I want to go back. I want to do it again. I'm jealous of the Jacksonville fans. Uh, Some normal life, some craziness, some fighting, some spit, some blood, which probably isn't COVID-friendly, but hey, I'm jealous that they're making it there. That's going to be an awesome fight card, and I will probably be, be turned up at my house, at this apartment with some of my friends for that fight card. Now let's talk hoops. We got the NBA in full force. Teams are making moves. Some teams are battling injuries as we get towards the end of the season. Uh, Like I said, around 20-ish, 22 games left for each team. So this is put up or shut up territory. Um, A lot of the teams at the bottom half of the standings don't want to find themselves in the position to play the 7 through 10 play-in because uh, one game can eliminate it. There you're out. Uh, teams that come to mind are teams like the Celtics, who have been crashing down. They're in the 8th place position in the West. Uh, we have teams uh, like Miami Heat, who's barely above them at the 6th spot. Could you imagine the Miami Heat, who is the Eastern Conference champions, having to play in the play-in game? And if they did, I wouldn't want to play them. What if you're the seventh seed, right? You have to play them like, shit. Teams like the Portland Trailblazers, the Dallas Mavericks, teams that I wouldn't expect to be in that position at the start of the year, they're starting to get some momentum. But hey, there's still games left. That's why you play. You got to play the games. And it's going to be an interesting finish here, ladies and gentlemen. But let's talk shop before we talk about last week's games. Uh, The Clippers add DeMarcus Cousins on a 10-day contract. Looking to get some depth, looking to get some, you know, high risk, high rewards come playoff time. And a move that's not necessarily for the same matter. The Pelicans add Isaiah Thomas. He's back. I'm so happy he's back in the league. You know, he's balled out. He went through major hip surgery. Supposedly he looks really good. Um, it, the game had just happened not that long ago. I believe he played like 18 minutes, had eight points. 
Um, I don't know if they'll keep him after the 10-day contract as this was a move because of injuries. Zion was out. Brandon Ingram's been out. Um, I think Nikhil Walker has gotten hurt. They have a lot of injuries, so it was definitely a, a depth move for the short term. I hope he makes the team, though. I would love to see him come postseason. Well, let's see. Where are the Pelicans right now? Pelicans are on the outside. Nope. Wait. Yep. They're right in the, the they'd be right in the play-in game. But either way, we know what IT did with Boston in the playoffs. He deserves a second chance. I'm rooting for him. He's a local uh, Tacoma guy, so I know everyone out here is rooting for him. So let's just get the job done. Let's go IT. Uh Porzingis been out. Last game he played the Jazz. Supposedly it doesn't seem too major, but something to keep your eyes on. Uh, James Harden out again. He had played four minutes in his last game back. Uh, you know, had hamstring issues, came back, obviously wasn't fully healed, and he's out again. Uh, the timetables for both of these guys are unknown. Supposedly, though, KD is back after the 50,000 DM stunt with Mr. Rappaport, which is a crock of shit and blame shame on Rappaport, if you ask me. Uh, but he's back to playing basketball. Like I said, that man's healthy. Shit, James Harden doesn't even have to be on the team. Him and Kyrie Irving, no one's going to stop the Brooklyn Nets. So watch out. Let's see how healthy Kevin Durant looks. If he looks anything like Joel Embiid now that Joel is back, um, he looks great. Supposedly, he says his conditioning's not there, but he's putting up points. He's schooling everybody. Schooled the Celtics tonight. So if he looks anything like that, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a 76ers Nets Eastern Conference Finals. That would be a lot of fun if you ask me. Drew Holiday getting paid four years, $135 million. Love seeing this. I love me some Drew Holiday. He found himself a good home. It looks to see looks to seem like he is gelling with this Milwaukee Bucks team. And hopefully he can help them through their postseason woes. Um, but I don't think they're better than the Sixers or the Nets with a healthy KD. So good luck to you, but happy he got paid. D'Angelo Russell back with the T-Wolves. He's been out all year. You know, Anthony Edwards doing his thing. The Timberwolves looking okay, though, with some health. You got Anthony Edwards doing well. Carl Anthony Towns is looking good. You put in D'Angelo Russell back in that lineup. Watch out. They might get some dubs and fuck people's playoff uh, positioning up. Kevin Love is back. He's always back. Then he gets hurt. We'll see if this is long term. I just hope he can play basketball. If he if he's not retired, I assume he wants to play. I've always enjoyed Kevin Love. He's kind of got jerked around his career when he was in Minnesota, destroying people like Chris Bosh was in Toronto. He didn't get a lot of love, just like Chris Bosh didn't. People forget about those days. It's all about what have you done for me lately. So I hope he has some opportunity. If anything, he's probably coaching up Sexland and the Young Cavalier team. And we look at the standings, the Lake Show, down to fifth in the West and a half a game away from the Portland Trailblazers in the sixth spot. Still no timetables. Anthony Davis hasn't been reevaluated. LeBron James is doing Space Jam shit. Who knows what's going on? But the rest of that team is pretty piss poor. Um, they better get their shit together before they slip out and end up in a play-in game. Kyle Lowry, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram all out as well. Williamson returned tonight. Looks to be fine. Brandon Ingram should be back in the short term, and Kyle Lowry was getting some rests as he had some foot issues. But the Raptors find themselves in the 10th spot right now, actually the 11th spot. Um, so they're going to need him to heal up quick if they want a shot at playoffs. But let's talk last week's games. I know I had talked a little bit about Tuesday, but by the time I had shot the podcast, the Hawks and Suns game had just started. 
I thought this was an awesome stylistic game. The Hawks had been hot of late. If we look at their last 10, they're 6-4. and four. They, they're, they're still winning. And obviously, the Suns are in the second place in the Western Conference. Uh, as a Jazz fan, I'm very well aware. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. Big-time game. It was a close game. Uh, but the Hawks ended up losing. Bojan Bogdanovic, though. Uh, no, not Bojan. Bogdan Bogdanovic. Well, what fucking Bogdanovic is this? The non-Bogdanovich that plays for my Jazz. I think it's... It should be Bogdan. Because I have Bojan, Bogey. They're both called Bogey. That's what confuses me. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Back for the Hawks. He had been hurt. That you know He was their big acquisition that was supposed to help them come playoff time. He's starting to hit his stride with Atlanta. 22 points, 4 for 8 from deep. I added him on the waiver wire. Some dumbass dropped him in my fantasy league. I swooped him up, and I'm reaping the rewards right before playoff time. Um, seven suns and double digits in this game, so all-around well team. Well, good played team basketball. But hey, I'm sure the Suns are loving that Bogdan, not Bojan, Bogdan Bogdanovich is back in the lineup. And then last Wednesday, right after the pod came out, episode 16, um, the Heat beat the Pacers. Duncan Robinson starting to hit his stride as well. Led all scorers with 20 points, 6 from 11 from downtown. I'm sure Jimmy Butler loves seeing that. And the Mavs also take down the Celtics as they continue to slide Luka with 36 points, 7 of 11 from 3. Tatum, Walker, and Jalen Brown all over 21 points, but it just wasn't enough. And how about my guy Jalen Brunson, ex-Villanova guard, 20 points off the bench. He's been huge for Dallas, especially when Luka's getting rest days. He steps up. He's been one of the most clutch people in the fourth quarter. Efficient. He slows the game down. I love his game. I love that uh, it's translating in the NBA. It's very well-deserved. Jalen Brunson, ladies and gentlemen. Moving to last Thursday, the Heat win again. They're starting to get momentum. Uh, they bested the Warriors, even though Steph Curry had 36 points. Mr. Butler, Duncan, and Tyler Hero all over 20 points, knowing that they need to start getting wins before they find themselves in a play-in game. And then the Hawks got right back into the saddle, beat the Spurs in double overtime. Had to work for it. Mr. DeMar DeRozan with 36 points. I always love seeing DeRozan do his thing. Just doesn't get enough credit. Probably wish that he was in his prime like eight years ago before threes were such a big deal. And Trey Young with 30 points. Bogdan Bogdanovich and Capella with 28 apiece. And Capella, one of the leading rebounders in the NBA, with 17 boards. The Nuggets beating the Clippers. That's a big-time game in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, obviously the Nuggets beat them to go to the Western Conference Finals last year. Potential playoff rematch. Uh, the Nuggets starting five really doing work in this game. Murray with 23 points. Kawhi Leonard had a respectable 24 in his own right. But the Nuggets best the Clippers again. Towards the weekend on Friday, the Mavs continue to win as they beat the Knicks. Doncic with 26 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, always around that triple-double area. And then the Bucks just routed the Blazers. Giannis with the massive 47 points, 12 rebounds. There's a reason he gets MVP. And then Dame Lillard, Dame Dalla with 33 points. On Saturday, the Pacers beat the Spurs. Another overtime game for the Spurs. It's got to be tough losing a double overtime and overtime in just a two out of three days. Um, they did it without Malcolm Brogdon. Karis Levert with a nice 26 points, nine assists. 
Great to see him healthy, making uh, impact within that Pacers lineup. I did see TJ Warren's not returning this year, um, so I'm sure that they are happy that Levert is doing his thing after that crazy cancer scare or tumor scare or whatever it was. Um, on Sunday, the Hawks beat the Warriors. They keep winning. Curry trying to, you know, put the team on his back with 37, but it wasn't enough. Danilo Gallinari led the Hawks with 25 points, 10 rebounds off the bench. You know, uh, Gallinari and uh, Bogdan were big acquisitions. are starting to come through, and the Hawks are starting to win. Right place, right time. Also on Monday, the Mavs kept winning, man. They beat the Jazz. That was a brutal game for me to watch as a Jazz fan. But, hey, the Jazz run a nine-game win streak. This was on the road. Um... The Mavs now have a five-game win streak after this. They just couldn't miss buckets. Um, Porzingis was out of the game as well. So to do it without Porzingis, even more surprising as the Jazz had basically shit on the Mavericks earlier this season. Luka with 31-9-8. Conley with a nice 28 points, 6 from 10 from 3. Got to give my guy Mountain Mike some shout-outs as he doesn't get enough credit either. And then the Knicks just squeaked by or the Nets squeaked by the Knicks, the Battle of New York, as the Harden went out with four minutes into the game, and Irving had 40 points and seven assists in that victory without KD, without Harden, put the team on his back. And how about Jeff Green, man? Uh, he went to the Jazz last year, didn't work out. They got rid of him early. I thought he was washing on his way out, and he's really performed for the Nets, so it's awesome to see him do well. Upcoming games this week, we got more action. We got crunch time action coming up um tonight on tnt was celtic sixers the celtics looked like a crap shoot fournier uh, evan fournier wasn't playing kemba walker went to the locker room early if the celtics want to have a chance they need to kill a kemba not this kemba that they've had and not injury prone kemba so things are looking very gloom a dark cloud over the celtics right now uh but joel doing work looking good tonight we also have pelicans versus hawks with zion back I believe the Hawks ended up winning. Um, I, I was just watching the games and eating dinner before coming on. Um, so Zion's back. Seems to be healthy. We got Grizzlies versus Heat. I believe the Grizzlies ended up beating them, which is a tough loss for the Heat. I think it was pretty handily as well. And the Heat had their full squad, so tough loss for the Heat. Bucks versus Warriors is happening right now. Giannis, right before tip-off, wasn't able to play. Um, so that's why I came over here and shot my pot. I was going to watch the first half of that game. But with Giannis not playing, it's just way less intriguing. And then um, Blazers versus Clippers happening right now. Before I came out here, Paul George was shooting the lights out, looking like Paul, uh, playoff Paul. Uh, I believe they had a huge lead going into half, but we'll see how that game finishes. You'll have to wait and tune until next week. Again, if you guys like certain sections of the pod, I will section them out. If you watch YouTube, I'll label NBA, NFL talk, UFC talk. Um, but hey... I, I love all sports, not quite as equal, but you should definitely tune into the other sports knowledge as well. Let's go into tomorrow. Big, big time game. Western Conference playoffs, the top two seeds, Jazz versus Suns in Phoenix. Right now, the Suns are only two and a half games back. They can move within one and a half back within this game. Uh, the Jazz coming off a pretty ugly loss to the Mavericks. Both teams played yesterday. The Suns had to squeak out a win on Monday as well. Uh, this is on ESPN. Going to be a, a, a blast. We got Knicks versus Celtics. Two teams battling it out right now. Celtics in the eighth spot. Knicks in the seventh. 
Celtics without Kemba potentially as well. Um, Fournier was supposedly health and safety protocols, so who knows if he's available. Uh, but the Knicks better figure their shit out or they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in, which is very disgraceful if you're that team with all the high hopes and talent they have. We got Grizzlies versus Hawks. The Grizzlies, not a lot of people talk about them, but they're lingers, man. They're eighth spot in the West. Uh, you know, they had just beat the, the Heat tonight. They might surprise the Hawks a little bit, who are sitting pretty good at fourth in the Eastern Conference. And then we have Spurs versus Nuggets, two playoff teams. The Spurs don't get, you know, a lot of credit, but they're still in the playoff positioning in the nine seed. And then moving on Thursday, the Jazz with another tough game against the Blazers, this time at home. They're undefeated, if you guys didn't know, at home. Utah fans don't play games. That place is tough to beat the Jazz. Um, I don't think the Blazers got enough defense for that one, but only time will tell. After this stretch with the, the Suns and Blazers, the, the Jazz do have a very friendly schedule, one of the easiest schedules remaining for the rest of the season. We got Lakers and Heat on TNT. The second game of that doubleheader, Suns versus Clippers. So big-time doubleheader on TNT. Even though the Lakers don't have a lot of their big-time players, I'm sure they'll, they'll put up a fight, and they have to figure something out because they are sliding in those standings. So they got to give it everything they got. And then we also have Bucks versus Mavericks, which as long as Giannis is playing, hopefully Porzingis is back. That's must-see TV as well. Um, you know, I'm sure Milwaukee doesn't want to fall under the third spot and I'm sure Dallas is not happy being in the seventh spot going into the weekend though. I'll be flying to Scottsdale, Phoenix, whatever you want to call it. Excited to get some real sunshine. Uh, on Friday, the Grizzlies are, uh, going to battle against the Knicks Two, uh, you know, seven, eight seed East West on NBA TV. That's going to be fun, right? I could uh, imagine guys like Julius Randle battling off against Miles Bridges. Might get some good action on NBA TV. We got 76ers versus Pelicans, Hornets versus Bucks, and Spurs versus Nuggets as well. And then moving into Saturday, I'm sure ABC at the time was like, holy shit, Lakers versus Nets. No AD, no LeBron. Not as cool, but it's on ABC. It's a Saturday game. I'll be watching the fights, but if you don't like fighting, you might be tuning into this one. I'll be at the Suns versus Wizards game that night. Bradley Bill been uh, battling a hip injury and hasn't been playing. Has been day to day. Hopefully he's back. I'm gonna be shooting for all my, you know, DraftKings is legal there. I'm gonna be downloading DraftKings and doing all offensive props. Chris Paul triple double, Booker over thirty, Chris Paul over twenty. Probably do Bradley Bill and uh, Westbrook over thirty. Westbrook triple double because the Wizards don't play defense. And I know that Russell Westbrook and Bill are going to step up big time against Chris Paul. Chris Paul and Westbrook do have some beef, so I'm excited to see that. Hopefully, Bradley Bill plays. Check out for me on TV. And then Sunday, we got Hawks versus Hornets. Two teams scrapping out. The Hornets have had some brutal blows with Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball being out, but they're still scrapping. They have a lot of guard depth. Malik Monk, Malik Monk and uh, Devontae Graham. So, hey, who knows? They could best the Hawks. We got Celtics versus Nuggets on TNT. That's a huge game. Celtics got to figure it out. They keep getting televised games. I'm sure it's not fun losing on national television. And then Raptors versus Knicks, both teams trying to stay alive. Spurs versus Mavericks, Pacers versus Grizzlies. And then a big game to finish the evening before the week, Heat versus Blazers, both teams trying to catch momentum 
Um, both teams making moves at the trade deadline. Trevor Reza to the Heat. Uh, Belica to the Heat. And then the Blazers added Norman Powell. They got Nurchik back. So no excuses for these teams at, at all. No, you know, it's all push to shove now. Who's the better teams and who's going to move up in their standings and their, their own conferences? On Monday, we got 76ers versus Mavs. Uh, that's going to be a lot of star power. Hopefully, Porzingis is back again. Uh, Nuggets versus Warriors on ESPN. Steph Curry's got to figure something out. That team's got to start winning. They're in the 10th spot right now. Them and the Pelicans are battling for the play-in positioning. I, I would hate to see one of those teams miss out, but someone's got to miss out. I'd rather have it be the Spurs, but Steph's got to put the team on his back because the other guys ain't doing shit. Um, we also got on Tuesday, the night of the pod, you know, maybe I'll be a little late shooting the pod and have some live updates for you guys like I did tonight. But we got Clippers versus Pacers on TNT, uh, Hawks versus Raptors, Heat versus Suns. That's going to be an awesome game. The, the Heat, anybody they play right now, but when they play the top teams, I mean, it's interesting to see what they can do. They surprised last people last year and made all the way to the uh, Eastern Conference Championship and, and played in the NBA Finals against the Lakers. Um, I would love the Heat to win, obviously, as a Jazz fan, as I need the Suns to start slipping a little bit. And then the second game on the doubleheader for TNT with D-Wade, Adam Lefko, Shaq, and Candice. Blazers versus Celtics. Celtics on TNT all the damn time. They keep losing. Who's going to change? Tatum going to figure it out. Brown going to figure it out. With Kemba Hurt, someone's going to have to figure it out. Uh, But I'm tuning in. I can't wait. But hey, it's not March anymore. But it's the early part of April. We had Final Four last weekend. We had championship. So let's talk college basketball. So it's funny. All season, you guys, if, you, if, you, if you're if you a loyal B&B fan, you tune into my college weekly updates on college basketball. I always said it was Gonzaga, Baylor, then the field. My bracket wasn't Gonzaga, Baylor, in the field. I fell for a lot of the fucking championship outlooks. Uh, was really into Texas and Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State. Didn't treat me well come brackets and payouts. But hey, when I saw the Final Four, I knew who it was going to be. Championship, we got Baylor, we got Gonzaga. And I'm assuming Baylor's going to win because Gonzaga is just a little bit overrated even though they're undefeated. And the Big 12 battle-tested, gritty teams. You know, that's exactly what happened. But we'll get into that in a second as there is a few headlines that happened outside of the actual games. One being Roy Williams' retirement at 70 years old. What a coach. What a legacy. I grew up living on an Indian reservation. Jordan was king. Baby blue. Powder blue and white was king. Everyone was all about UNC and the players, the recruits. I mean, they're just... If you want to replicate a culture and a coach, Roy Williams has got to be top 10. I mean, the, the man's record is 903 and 264 his swagger his attitude his work ethic his dedication is unlike anything that i've really seen he has three championships nine final fours coach of the year three times fastest coach to 900 wins and the only coach with 400 wins at two different schools north carolina and kansas two powerhouses two blue bloods what the team that sticks out for me the 0809 team that won the championship that beat my Villanova Wildcats. I loved that team too. That beat them in the final four. They had Tyler Hansborough, Ty Lawson, who was savage, and Tyler Hansborough kept coming back. 
Ed Davis, Tyler Zeller, Wayne Ellington, and Danny Green. Ellington and Danny Green are still specialists, three-point specialists in the NBA today. Ed Davis had been back and forth between starting, uh, reserve role. He was a reserve for the Heat last year. Uh, Didn't really work well. That's why they got Derek Favors back. Ty Lawson didn't really translate. Tyler Hansborough had a here and there. Same with Zeller. But what a fucking team that was. And, man, that I'll just never forget that team. They broke my heart, and I knew that they were better than us and they were going to win the championship. But I had to bring up Roy Williams because this is, you know, I had talked about Brady, Breeze, all that, go, talking to NFL and playoffs this year. And you just got to enjoy these guys while we have them, especially – you know, I'm nearing 30. My 29th birthday is this July. And you have a lot of professional athletes and coaches that you're just used to since you've been a little kid. And this is one of them. And it's just crazy seeing them retire. And now it's time for a new era, new different coaches. You got the Brad Stevens of the world. You get the Jay Wrights of the world. And it's just the new blood comes in. But man, cap off to Mr. Roy Williams. What a fucking career. And it caught everybody by surprise. But he's 70 years old. He's done a little bit of everything. Uh, North Carolina had a tough season this year. I don't know if he was just like, oh, you know, it's going to be a tough couple years for North Carolina standards. This is a perfect time or what. But, hey, bravo, bravo, Roy Williams. So let's talk Gonzaga-UCLA, one of the best games of the tournament, in my opinion. And I thought it would be a blowout. I thought the Pac-12 was a joke. I thought UCLA did not deserve to be in there. You know, they kind of got disgraced being 11 seed having to play a play-in just to get to the tournament. Uh, but I thought they were going to get smacked around. But how about Johnny Ju Zhang? He just put the team on his back. 29.6 assists. He probably considered the NBA NBA draft after this tournament. I think he probably would have been more adept to return, especially if they lost early. Uh, but he really boosted his stock, potentially a late-round pick. Uh, for, you know, there's only two two rounds in the NBA draft, but a late first round that, that'll land you a good contract and at least a roster spot with an NBA team. And he's only a sophomore. So maybe he returns. Maybe he helps UCLA come back to stardom. But how about Suggs, man? I thought UCLA was going to win. I know a lot of people picked UCLA because the odds were just atrocious. Uh, I didn't have the balls to do it. I thought this would be a blowout. But, man, that Suggs butter buzzer beater was no joke. Then he stood up on the table like D-Wade. Oh, man, what the chills I had. I, me and my buddy were watching. I fucking stood up. I was like, I, you know, this is what March is about. Really awesome game. But what a heartbreaker, backbreaker for UCLA and everything that they had. Uh, that was an overtime, by the way. It wasn't even regular um, regulation time. Overtime game. But UCLA, man, all the way from a play-in game. Thank God for ESPN brackets. I've talked about this a few times. I had picked Michigan State, but picking you just get to pick one or the other as a play-in to, to win. I had picked them to win the next round, which was okay, but did not expect UCLA to make a run to the Final Four. What a story they were. I had fun. Johnny Juzhang, hats off to you, my dude. What a fucking tournament. And then we got the Baylor Bears just handling business like I thought they would. They were who we thought they were. I know Houston, number two seed, you know, they made the Final Four, so me saying they're overrated just sounds like a slap in the face. But they had a very easy way to that Final Four. I did not expect them to be able to manage somebody like the Baylor Bears who have offensive firepower with three NBA-ready guards. 
Uh, that's just really hard to compete with. No matter who you are, you have three guards. No matter what the rest of the team looks like. But they got six, seven players. They have some bench. A lot of these teams don't. Houston was known for their defense, and they cannot do shit versus Baylor. That's all I'm going to say on that one. But I, you know, that's what I expected. And then I had talked shit all week after Saturday that the Baylor was going to win because everyone's rooting for Gonzaga. I had put polls on my Instagram and Twitter, Gonzaga versus the field at the start of the tournament. Everyone thought Gonzaga was just going to run through the tournament. Well, they got ran out the gym. I don't necessarily think that Baylor's that much better than Gonzaga, but the emotions, the overtime game, the battling back. I mean, when Suggs is up on a table and freaking out in overtime like that, that's like the emotions that you have for winning the whole tournament. They put too many, too much emotions, too much ish into that game. You have to turn around and play again on Monday, folks. This isn't another week. You, that, that happened Saturday night. They're sleeping. They're going to have a day of like high dopamine levels. They're college kids. They're probably seeing all the tweets. They're, Jalen Suggs is seeing Dwayne Wade tweet him like, you the fucking man. He's like, yeah, I am the man. But they're not like probably studying tape and getting their shit ready the way they need to for Baylor. While Baylor nonchalantly whooped Houston's ass, had the bench come in, and they've been watching... They watch the Gonzaga game. They're prepped and ready to go. Um, that's just how it is. I mean, that's why it's so hard to be undefeated and win it. They had a lot tougher game, um, even though potentially the opponent wasn't as good, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, I just I just figured Baylor would do it. But they got ran out the gym. Tip off. It was over. Um, how about their stars, though? Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, and Davian Mitchell. They shined. Suggs did have 22 points, but they were just never in the game. I had bet Baylor because they were the underdog on the over. It was like 50 bucks for 200. I fell four points shy of the over, so I watched the whole game because I needed those points. Motherfuckers were missing free throws at the end of the game. It was brutal. Sucks to suck. I was trying to at least get some money back that I had lost in this tournament. It didn't go my way. But yeah, I, I thought that UCLA game, Final Four game against Gonzaga was game of the tournament. And I'm not surprised Baylor won. I, I wanted to put Baylor in as my champion in my tournament. When I was doing the IG Live, I was thinking too much matchup-wise. I thought Illinois would play them, and I thought Coburn was just going to wreck them down low. You know, they have the, I forget the guy's name, Ivy or something like that. Their big guy is just a very stout, strong guy, but I didn't think he could compete against a guy like Coburn. And they have uh, Desanmu, or however you say his name, the guard, the mask guy. That's really good. So they do have some potential. I, I thought that was a bad matchup. So I had Illinois winning, then Illinois losing before the championship, which then I had Texas on the other side. So I had them winning the whole thing. But if I would have known Baylor would have never played Illinois, I would have for sure had Baylor as a winner. You'd probably say, fuck you, Shane. You're full of shit. Well, listen to my old pods. Listen to me talk about Baylor all season. I really enjoyed them because two years ago, they played against Villanova in the Bahamas tournament. And I looked at the box score, and they got a, a Jay Butler, a M. Teague, and a D. Mitchell. So I'm thinking Donovan Mitchell, Marcus Teague, and Jimmy Butler. I was like, damn, that's like an NBA team. And then the, they just balled. Uh, I think Villanova ended up besting them, but they were a championship team. So I just really fell in love with them. It's a super random reason. Uh, but I am not surprised that they won. I am surprised that they blew Gonzaga out of the water, though. Well... I won $0. The tournament was a blast, but let's just forget. Let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen. It's been two years. We didn't have a tournament last year. Be grateful for what we have. If you busted your bracket, there's always next year. 
And there's not necessarily always next year. It's not guaranteed. So I enjoyed it. I had so much fun in this March Madness tournament. I hope that some of these guys that are sophomores like Johnny Juzang, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl return to their teams, though, and don't jump to the NBA draft. I would like to see some of that culture from, you know, five, ten years ago where people stay a little longer, teams build that chemistry and kick ass and have some high-level games within the tournament. But the UCLA game, it was all the emotions you can ask for. It performed, and the championship didn't. But let's talk baseball. I'm wearing my Angels jersey again. Um, I was thinking about what to wear for the pod. I always try to wear something different so you guys don't think I just wear the same clothes all the time. Um, But I'm so hyped on the way the Angels started the season. I'm wearing another Angels jersey. Last time I had uh, Mike Trout, white jersey. This time I got Mr. Rendon, fucking savage. Um, But yeah, what a crazy start to the year. Um, Right before the season, the Mets... Literally at the 12th hour, they had to sign Lindor before midnight. Probably signed him at like 11.45 Eastern. 10 years, $340 million. He gets the big bucks like Tatis and um, Machado and Bryce Harper. The Mets are back in town. The New York Mets are trying to compete. But I'm going to dive into the Angels for a minute because they deserve it. Speaking of contracts, I read an athletic article right before opening day. You know, there's a bazillion articles of hypotheticals, season predictions, yada, yada. Um, But one of the Angels beat writers talked about Trout and him wanting more money before they had agreed with with his contract. They had agreed on the contract before free agency. He didn't want to have to go. He saw what had happened the year before with Machado and Bryce Harper, and they didn't sign until like, Damn near spring training was over. Just a lot of teeth being pulled. He enjoyed the Angels. His worry was postseason contention as he's only been in the postseason once and lost to the Royals in a one-game wild card. The Royals ended up you know, winning the World Series that year. Um, but he wanted more money. They ended up offering more money because you can't let Trout walk out the door. But he literally said that the next day he was going to go and talk to ownership and say, I want to test free agency, which, holy fuck, he probably would have been a New York Yankee and I would have probably quit watching baseball. So... I didn't realize it was that close. That article really made me more grateful that Mike Trout's on my team. And I want to see him in October. We all do. We should. If you're a baseball fan, you got to see Mike Trout in October. And, you know, we start the season with the White Sox. A four-game series with the White Sox, who, in my opinion, are one of the three best teams in the AL. And then you turn around and you got a two-game series before your first day break with the Astros, who people keep talking shit on. Yeah, they're cheaters. They have talent, though. Um, you know, you can talk all the shit they want. They're probably going to win the division. They just got too much talent, especially if Justin Verlander comes back. Um, so, you know, I got, I got to toot my angels horn a little bit. Um, on opening day, there was some craziness. The Mets and nationals got postponed due to COVID protocols. I could only imagine after the Lindor contract, Mets fans were eager to watch Lindor. They couldn't, uh, today was the first Mets and nationals games. They had to sit out the whole weekend. And then Tatis Jr. got hurt, I believe, yesterday. He's out, shoulder discomfort, placed on the IL. A lot of these guys that get these big contracts, they get hurt. It's brutal. The Padres went for it. Hopefully this guy isn't injury-prone throughout his career. You know, Mike Trout's had his injuries. Machado's had his. Harper his. Everyone typically goes through it. It's a long fucking season, lots of traveling. You got to get your body right. And Tatis goes a little hard. It was a crazy swing. He got hurt, um, but sucks to see the stars going out. I'm just glad I don't have him on my fantasy team. But yeah, first series of the season, White Sox Angels. The drama that was to be had in this series is unbelievable. 
If you want more detail, follow my Twitter at Podcast Buckets. I was tweeting all about this shit. Um, but I would never have thought the Angels could beat the Sox with Giolito on the mound game one. You know, we're throwing Dylan Bundy. I figured he could manage. Neither pitcher got past the sixth inning. They all got pulled in the fifth. Uh, Giolito, I believe, had like 10Ks, though. He was looking nasty. But we got quite a packed, a powerful packed lineup. I mean, you're looking at Otani, two, Mike Trout, three, Rendon, four. Like, how do you pitch around that? Uh, but the Angels stole the game 4-3 after uh, Trout and Pujols won it in the eighth. We'll talk about the eighth a lot. That seems to be the magic number throughout this weekend. Uh, Bundy held himself, and Iglesias did work. As the closer, the Angels have a fucking closer. He had two strikes, um, a three-pitch strikeout, just looking you know, like the guy that we expected he would be. Uh, we haven't had a closer, when I say we, the Angels, since K-Rod. Um, we had another guy that lasted for a year that did pretty good, but haven't had a consistent closer, so it's so nice knowing in these games we have someone that could close it out. Last year, we almost led MLB Again, we the Angels led MLB in blown saves. Um, so super stoked that that happened. Moving on to Saturday, they stole the sock. So on Friday, they ended up losing. Uh, Andrew Heaney got blown up. They gave up like 12 runs, but the Angels still scored around eight. So still putting up offense. Uh, but on Saturday, they stole the game from the White Sox again as the bullpen got in again and in the eighth inning again. But this time, Jared Walsh and Justin Upton stole the show and Cobb pitched a good game. We have Cobb as a new season acquisition. Justin Upton hurt his toe last year and wasn't the same. And Jared Walsh was this epiphany that just started crushing the ball. And as an Angels fan, you know, like, God, could you imagine if Walsh and Upton were clicking together? Could you imagine if guys like Cobb could pitch okay? It's only one game, but Jesus Christ, that looks good. And if just Jared Walsh and Justin Upton are cranking, um, that's going to be a very nasty lineup for the Angels. And that got me super stoked. But then we go into Sunday night, and the Angels are on Sunday night, and Otani's pitching and hitting on Sunday night. It's Easter. I have my cousins watching the game with me because we're watching history. This is the first AL pitcher to hit and pitch in the same game since 1903. I believe the last was Barry Bonds. And I had to cherish it, man. The Angels usually get one Sunday night baseball game a season because they're not a big market team. They're not the Dodgers. They're not the Yankees. And they don't win a lot of games. So every time we I have it, I'm super pumped. But to start the season like that, and Otani to show people what he could do on national TV, he threw the most 100-mile-an-hour pitches that he has in that game ever than he has in any starts. He obviously hasn't started a lot of games. But point is, they're letting him go, and he's throwing gas. And it, it's nice that I have MLB TV this year so I could watch every Angels game. But growing up in, in Wyoming and Montana, like if I wanted to watch an Angels game, it had to be an ESPN game, and that's usually only Sunday night. So, yeah, I mean, I was all up in my fills and just stoked on life, especially because this was uh, the third uh, win or, yeah, three the third win out of the four-game series, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't even have had the confidence to bet that we would take three out of four against the White Sox. Because they battled. like These were fucking down-to-the-wire games. So, Otani's throwing gas. Everything's looking good. The Angels have a lead. And then come in the fifth inning, he starts getting put into a pickle. People think he's going to get pulled. But um, Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe Madden just letting him do his thing. He wanted him to get a win, go through the fifth inning. You have to qualify to get a good start to get the win. Uh, he didn't end up pulling him. The bases are loaded. There's some wild throws. Otani falls down, gets his ankle twisted by Jose Abreu sliding in at home. Didn't try to hurt him or anything. He's okay, but Jesus, what a crazy, chaotic fucking ending to that game. 
Um, there was some ups and downs with Otani. He's throwing gas. He still didn't have great command of his fastball. After he crushed a home run, I believe, in the second inning, it was like a fucking damn near 450-plus feet home run, I think. Just smashed it, Oppo. Like, straight high fastball, pit, fucking swung for the fences, got that shit out of the park. The power that this kid has is unreal. Uh, but after all those things happening, and then this is the way it ends, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm sure he's fine, but who knows. He ended up being fine. He ended up pitch hitting the next game, got hit by a pitch, was super pissed off. Uh, but, dude, the kid in his prime, he's still in bases. He looks like the best base runner on the, on the Angels. He's pitching gas. Um, you know, first game, five innings. If he could last six or seven, that'd be great. I saw him uh, play against the uh, Mariners here. He had 13 strikeouts. Uh, I think I'm like eight innings, so I know he's capable. He just needs to get that fastball command down. But as an Angels fan, you could imagine I'm just ooh on and on. I can't believe what the hell is happening. Uh, but anyways, I come back home from my cousins. It's late, right? Sunday night baseball can go late. The game's been a little chaotic. We're talking like 9.30 at this time. I'm like, cool, the game's going to be over soon. Well, the White Sox take the lead in the ninth. I'm like, oh, shit. It's in Anaheim, so the Angels get the bottom half. They're down one, and it's the bottom of the lineup. We got uh, Dexter Fowler, who you know, definitely isn't in the peak of his career. Didn't look good in spring training. And I'll be like, man, wouldn't this be something if Dexter Fowler got on base? He gets on base, having some clutch singles. And then it's Jared Walsh again, who, who stole the show yesterday. And I'm like, man, what if this guy just keeps doing well? Like uh, Mike Trout was actually mic'd up. And he said, you don't want to pitch Jared Walsh a fastball. He'll crush it. Well, guess what happened? They pitched him a fastball and he fucking walked off. Uh, the announcer was like, he went to Jared. It was just awesome. I was su super hyped. I had to cool down before I could go and uh, go to bed for Monday morning. Um, but why do I bring this all up? Because you got to give Joe Madden props. He kind of fucked up the decision with Otani, but he's letting Otani being Otani. I don't think many managers would let him do that. And he is the reason Dexter Fowler's on the team and Jared Walsh gets as much playing time as he does. Some people would have pool holes more in the lineup. I know that they're platooning, but you know, maybe another manager didn't have Walsh come in and have that awesome performance that he did last season to even get to this point. And, um, you know, we have Joe Adele who didn't really perform, but they decided to start him in the minors and, and Dexter Fowler came through. So, hey, props to Joe Madden. I love what he's doing. It shows me that there definitely is hope as an Angels fan. And if you guys looked at my season predictions last week, I have them making the wild card. I do have the Astros winning the division. And even that was hard for me to do is that had some teams like the Twins missing out who always end up finding a way to get in. Enough Angels talk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not really sorry, but I'm sorry. On opening day, though... I had gone to the Mariners' the second game, the Friday night game, and I had a lot of friends going to the Mariners' home opener, and they're playing the Giants, who I would assume you know, is a very winnable game. Well, they're up 6-1, and they blew the lead. The Giants were up 6-1, blew the lead to the Mariners. Kevin Gossman looked like an ace out there. They just blew his gem. Uh, the Mariners ra rallied back and got the dub. I went to the game on Friday. The Giants ended up winning. Buster Posey, home run day one, day two. Evan Longoria, home run day day two. Uh, the old vets coming through. They've had some guys on that uh, team that have been around for a while. And they had Buster Posey in the seventh spot in the lineup. He's probably pissed off. He's batting seven. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer here in the future. And uh, I think that year off did him well. He looks revived and uh, looks a little scary, to be honest. Who knows if the Giants can put together some quality baseball. They're always a team that you don't want to fuck with. 
I had to bring that up, though, because that was an epic collapse by the Giants. Some series to uh, series to note to start the season, though. The Blue Jays, Toronto beating the Yankees 2-1 in the first series. You know, I just showed you how hype I was for the Angels versus the White Sox. It's the first series, though. Shit happens. Um, but, hey, the Blue Jays have high hopes. That's a good start. And Marcus Simeon is on fire, looking to be a great addition to that lineup. And Vlad Jr. looking good early, hitting for a decent average, hit a home run. Um, so, yeah, as long as that pitching staff can get shit figured out, the Blue Jays may be a problem. And then the Phillies sweep the Braves as their pitching is too much, and the Braves only score two runs in the series. I mean, the pitching and the fucking level of talent in this division, like I said, this is going to be the most fun thing to watch in baseball. Uh, but the Phillies looking really good, super impressed. They had a walk-off uh, in that series as well. And then how about the Orioles? My quoted line was, yeah, the Orioles pitching, what the fuck? Well, they swept the Red Sox, and uh, the Red Sox got outscored five runs to 16. The leadoff hitter for the Orioles, center fielder Cedric Mullen, just off to a fucking scorching start for the for the Orioles. Um you know, Jim Means pitched a great game, their opening day starter. Their team is pitching okay. Um, I believe they've lost a couple games since, but, you know, I don't expect them to, you know, do much within that division. But the the Red Sox look like they might be a worse team. Uh, they do have J.D. Martinez. They still have some power in that lineup, so they might figure things out. Bobby Dahlbeck, who should have a big year. I do like Ch uh, Michael Chavez, and I really do like um, the third baseman, I'm blanking on the third baseman's name right now. Uh, but they have some good young talent, so I would assume they do better than the Orioles. But, hey, Mancini's back. They have some guys hitting. The Cedric Mullins guy coming out of nowhere. If their pitching can last, who knows? They might, you know, scrap out some wins. The Twins beat the Brewers 2-1. to one. Two potential wild card teams. Andrelton Simmons, ex-Angel, looking good off the start for the Twins. And Brian Buxton hitting dingers. That's a huge sign as he was a very elite prospect uh, with high hopes and hasn't really performed. So, uh, yeah, Twins beating the Brewers. It's a big series win to start the season. And then the Royals. A lot of people, including myself, had a belief that the Royals could really sprout out this year. And they look to be the real deal. They are playing the Rangers, who aren't a very good team. Um, but Nate Lowe crushing fucking dingers right now. I added him in two of my fantasy leagues on the waiver wire. Um, yeah, he's crushing balls. Uh, Joey Gallo's crushing balls. Uh, but the Royals top to bottom lineup, man, Whit Merrifield's looking good. Uh, that team's looking good. As long as they can get their pitching intact, um, they're going to be a team that nobody wants to mess with. And then the Dodgers doing Dodger things. They're looking good early. They beat the Rockies in their series three, one, Justin Turner looking clutch. He keeps getting older, and people think maybe this is the year he declines. He was reminding me a lot of Howie Kendrick. He just keeps on hitting. He hit a dinger today. Uh, Gavin Lux looking good. Corey Seager looking like NL MVP status. I'm very high on uh, Corey Seager. And then Max Mun Muncy hitting the ball well early as well. One of the problems, David Price doesn't look good. He didn't get an opportunity to be in the rotation. Had a couple bullpen starts and has gotten roughed up. Uh, so, yeah, might be the end of David Price as we know it. Uh, but the offensive firepower for them, uh, uh, Urias, they're, one of their better pitchers, is looking good. So, you know, I picked them to repeat. They just have way too much talent, but they started off well against a, not a very good Rockies team. But, hey, the bats are clicking. That's scary. Astros getting the Boo Birds everywhere, especially in L.A., Angels fans, Dodgers fans, even in the Angels stadium, throwing trash cans, talking shit. 
Uh, they swept the A's, though. Four-game series. Altuve and Bregman looking to be in midseason form. That's scary. Uh, yeah, I mean, that they cleaned house with the A's. The A's have some new faces and new places, but you'd expect them to win a couple or a game out of that series, and the Astros denied them. But the Angels kept winning. They beat the Astros on Monday, and guess what inning? The eighth inning, Mike Trout coming through clutch, getting the dub, but they got their ass whooped in a day game today by Zach Grinke who's still pitching well, even though he doesn't have velocity, placing balls well, making people pop out. Why did the Angels not sign him years ago instead of Josh Hamilton? Still blows my mind, but the Astros are 5-1 and one to start the year. Some series to note this coming weekend. We got Angels versus Blue Jays, two playoff hopefuls. Yankees versus Rays. The Rays are always lingering and somehow win the division. Big time game for the Yankees, especially after they drop uh, to divisional Blue Jays to start the year. We have Nationals versus Dodgers, Phillies versus Braves. This series will host the Sunday night baseball game this week. Um, that division is going to be insane, and the Phillies off to a really good start. A's versus Astros, a rematch series after the Astros swept them. It'll be interesting to see how the A's respond. And then another rematch series, O's versus Red Sox. It's the only reason I put that on there is because I swept them. I give a shit about this series, uh, but we'll see if the Orioles pitching can keep it up. And then we got Marlins versus Mets, Royals versus White Sox, Mariners versus Twins, and Brewers versus Cardinals. Uh, some, some playoff hopeful teams. I'll be at, again, in Phoenix. We're watching Diamondbacks versus Reds. It's the Diamondbacks home opening weekend. So hopefully you can see some action. The Reds are swinging some hot bats right now. Jonathan India looking like the real deal. You know, I'll see some things. Neither team really has much hope. Uh, hopefully I could catch a Luis Castillo start or something like that. Uh, but I'll be there opening weekend on Sunday for a nice, beautiful game. Wrap up the show. We'll talk Supercross again. Next race isn't until this Saturday, the 10th. There will be three races in Atlanta. We got uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, then two in Salt Lake. We're right to the tail end of the season. Cooper Webb. Fucking KTM, 15-point advantage over my guy, Ken Roxon. Let's go, Team Honda. Let's finish the season strong. Thanks for tuning in. Episode 17 brought to you by Fueled Supplements. Well, guess what, guys? It's nighttime. So do you have problems sweep, sleeping? Do you wake up groggy or not feeling like you've even rested? Do you toss and turn at night? I know I fucking do. Well, if so, it's time to get knocked out. It's back. The market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula, Knocked Out, is now in stock with the facelift. Two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. Experience an unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula. Superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. Fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. I know for me, I felt like I was in this crazy REM sleep. I was having crazy dreams, uh, but that tells you you're sleeping well. You're in the REM sleep. That's what you want. It also helps regulate depressive and uh, sedative actions critical for relaxation, decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenal reset, but it also increases growth hormone, hormone production. Two delicious flavors to suit your taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, mood improve, productivity improve, and your life improve with knockout. I know I used to think sleep was bullshit. Uh, sleep's for millionaires. I ain't one yet, but I'm nearing 30. Sleep means a lot. Uh, recovery, especially if I'm trying to lose weight, stay in shape. So knocked out, highly recommend. Save some cash. Use my promotion code buckets for 20% off anywhere you guys go. Fueledsupplements.com, knocked out all the supplements you got. Uh, check them out. 
And we will be back next week for episode 18. See you then.